This is the Two Math Guys Podcast with John Southam and Chris Hansbach. And we talk about anything related to math, math education, or education. The Two Math Guys Podcast. Welcome to uh, the first episode of Two Math Guys, or should it be The Two Math Guys? We'll figure that one out later. <laughs> well, I'm, and I'm John Southam, with, and my friend and colleague, Chris Onspach. Hey, Chris. How you doing? I'm well, thank you. Happy Monday, the 3rd of August, 2020. Just right. about a week and a half before we dive back into the school year. Yes which is exciting and nerve-wracking and a lot of other emotions. Um, it's, yeah, very, very different than, than normal. Usually at this time of the year, I'm, I'm ready. I've used my summer to relax, kind of get back to, to neutral, forget about teaching for a while. But this has been a completely different <laughs> experience in the last couple months. Yeah, good call. Like I, I know what you mean. I like this time of year. It's you're getting a winding down your summer. Like I start thinking a bit more uh, classroom specifics things, but um, and getting ready to see my my colleagues and students again. Yeah, yeah. You you get that feeling of okay, I'm I'm ready. I I, I want to go back. I, I'm starting I'm starting to get bored. You can only spend so much time <laughs> playing video games. Yeah. Yeah. What? But you know, uh, what I did this summer for the first time in my career was I taught summer school. How did you wait? Didn't okay. you teach it a previous summer, or this was your first one? I guess. Well, yeah. I guess that's technically true. I taught summer school before my first year of teaching. Oh, right. Okay. That was a. That was more of like an algebra boot camp kind of it was for there was a, like 20 25 kids who had struggled with eighth grade math and oh no actually no 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 i take that back i had incoming sixth graders so i had kids who had struggled with math in fifth grade and i was helping to prep them for middle school math uh, and, okay i remember that now because you, you Andrew, did that at sonoma right Right. Yeah. Or, no, no, no. I did it at um, Adele because I was in uh, Shelly's classroom. Oh, okay. All right. But because I, yeah, because Andrew had called me and offered me the job and I said yes. And then he called me a day or two later and said, hey, by the way, we also need teachers for this. And I felt, I, I knew that I could say no and they wouldn't rescind my, <laughs> my offer of employment. <laughs> I felt kind of obligated and I was also well okay I've only student taught first semester this will be another good chunk of experience so I should do it because it'll help yeah. make me better yeah uh, coming first year and I mean I don't know if it did I, I, I like <laughs> to believe that it did yeah I know what you mean though that those first the first few years of teaching you everything the answer is always yes <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure. That sounds great. Yeah, let's go for it. And just so for our listeners, um, we should we should clarify. So I, 
Chris, you've been teaching high school math with the exception of that middle school boot camp. You've been teaching high school math pretty much your whole career, right? Yeah, every year has been at Sonoma High, and I just finished year seven, so I'll be going into my eighth year coming up, which Ooh. is pretty exciting. Oof. It goes by very quickly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I've been. This is this is going to be my tenth year. Uh, I, I started. I started teaching middle school. That was my first year. And then I've, since then, I've been teaching uh, high school. So in, uh, and actually, that's where, that's where I, I got to meet you, Chris, was uh, teaching in Sonoma. And that was, uh, that yeah. was a good, good times. But now I'm teaching here in Napa at New Tech High School. So you did one year of middle school and then went to Sonoma High, right? Right. Okay, yeah, because... That means, yeah, I started at the high school one year after you. Right. Yeah, my, I just remember my first year teaching, thinking I was so naive, so bright-eyed, and so happy just to be to be a teacher. And then I remember <laughs> thinking, all right, we'll teach these kids. Uh, we'll go do some math. Hey, and I was thinking, hey, kids, let's go and do some math problems together. Oh, man. <laughs> it was a, I was a train wreck. I didn't know how to manage a classroom at all. A lot of confidence, but... Low ability. <laughs> While this podcast is pretty new and it doesn't have a lot of advertisers, we do have a few. This episode is brought to you by the number 10. While 7, 8, 9, 10 was able to get away. 10. This is also brought to you by... Apple. No, not the computer company. The fruit. An apple a day keeps the doctor away. Apple. Well, there's, yeah, I remember in the credentials program, there was a lot of, and not to, I'm not trying to, you know, talk bad about the credential program at all at Sonoma State, but there wasn't a lot of, I guess because teaching classroom management is really difficult because it can take so many different forms. Mm -hmm. But I remember taking a class through SCO, uh, the Sonoma County Office of Education called Envoy, and it was a not, what was it? It was nonverbal communication. So it was a way of managing a class without going to that extreme of, you know, screaming, all right, pay attention, everyone be quiet, you know, that, that kind of stuff. And it was really useful and it was really weird, but fascinating at the same time to see how it worked in the class. You know, you would have your, your space that you would stand in when you wanted kids to pay attention and you were conditioning them, you know, cause you could stand there and you wouldn't have to say anything. And after about 20 or 30 seconds, the kids would be like, Oh, okay. He wants our attention. We should. Mm -hmm. And it's just creepy almost where they would stop and start paying attention. You're like, Oh, okay, cool. Okay. Yeah. Back to what we're doing. Yeah. Cause kids are creatures of habit. And if, once you get into a routine with them, they, they love structure. Kids love structure and they love a routine and, and, uh, and they, kids, 
I think for the most part, kids generally like their teachers. And so if they say, oh my gosh, hey, Ansbach's up there. He's going to talk. Shh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's the ideal anyway. <laughs> yeah. It, it doesn't always work that way. You know, sometimes you got to be like, oh, okay, let's come on back. Yeah. It's yeah. very, very passive aggressive kind of <laughs> style. All right, kids, come but on back. Work. We should clarify for our listeners. So our podcast is about, we're two math teachers, two math guys, and we love math. We love math education. We love teaching. Um, so we're, we just kind of talk about everything that has to do with math, math education, probably get into some education uh, trends or maybe even policy too. Who knows? Um, so that's the, 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 our focus on the podcast. Um, so then back to what you said, Chris, about, um, wait, let me, I forgot. I, I just tried to clarify for everybody what we're doing and what, what did you just say? <laughs> oh, uh, in teaching summer school that, you know, so having this, because like you were saying, you know, students are kind of creatures of habit and, you know, you could make the same case for educators as well that yeah. we have this structure of, okay, we know what the start of the year is going to look like. And then we go through the year and then we have our summer vacation and people have, you know, they do whatever it is that they prefer to do to unwind. Uh, like I like to travel and I wasn't able to do that this summer. And so that's kind of thrown off my whole system, mm -hmm. but teaching. And I think we all had, maybe not everybody, but the pretty much consensus opinion I've gathered from the spring and being thrown into distance learning in mid March was a lot of people were not very happy with how things kind of worked out. Yeah. Whether creatures of habit. Yeah. The, the, that's what it was. The, the habit. So we get into a routine to help, us and our students know what to expect so they can learn and, and that we can do our jobs effectively and kids can learn what the, uh, effectively and, and meaningfully. Yeah. And then I think a lot of that was thrown off with, Hey, we're going to spend at least the next couple of weeks, possibly, you know, a month or two, maybe the rest of the semester learning online. And it was really difficult, I know, for a lot of my students and a lot of my myself and my colleagues because it was something we're not really used to. And with the setup of which and I'm not I because I understand and I agreed with the uh, hold harmless, you know, not letting kids grades fall down because of the situation that was out of their control. But it did kind of create this culture or this understanding of, hey, I got a C, I'm good, I don't need to do anything, I can pass. And 60% of my classes were all seniors, and so they were especially kind of checked out. Oh, yeah. So that was really hard to, the times that I would have kids join office hours or class would be really just to kind of talk about how they were doing and how their situation was and not even to talk about the content that we were doing. That was more secondary or even tertiary for a lot of kids. Yeah. Cause it shook, it, it shook the whole system up and to a lot of kids, uh, the school was the, was one of the most regular parts of their day. It's, it's predictable, which is, 
it's a it's a safety thing for them, so they know what to expect. They go there for a lot of kids. I, I think in Sonoma too, and and here in Napa, a number of kids. That's where they would get their breakfast and lunch, and snacks. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and it, I I so in terms of uh, using the time to just connect with them as people, I think was a super important thing to do Um, because if they don't feel supported they're not gonna want to learn especially in this new crazy situation we're living in yeah so it was yeah I mean you'd hear frustrations from other teachers like you know they're not doing the work or they're not showing for class or XYZ and I was sitting there like I mean I, I get why they're not doing it it's yeah you've taken this huge aspect this reliable aspect of their life and completely ripped it away and they don't get to see their friends they're scared or they're confused and you know learning math or poetry or science is not one of their top priorities and I mean, it's easy to look back now and say, oh, we could have done this differently or done this better or whatever. And, you know, I think for what it was, it wasn't terrible. But doing or teaching summer school, it did give me a lot of hope and optimism for what the fall can look like. uh, Because Mm -hmm. I had. You know, this whole, like, the kids knew coming in, okay, it's all going to be online. And I knew coming in. So I was able to lay out everything and say, hey, here's how this class is going to work. Here's how it's going to be different than what we did in the spring. Here are the expectations in terms of your participation. And with the technology that I had, you know, being able to connect what we were doing to the iPad and sharing my screen and using notes and apps and things to help demonstrate and walk through problems. I felt like that was really effective. And, uh, and we've talked a bit about, uh, alternative methods of delivery instead of like, just, Oh, here's a problem that you can see. Let me show you how to do it. Cause you brought up a good point of some kids really like to see you, with the whiteboard, like you and the work together and they read your body language to help kind of interpret like what it is you're doing and where the sticking points are in the problem. Oh, so you mean when we had, uh, we talked a few days ago and how there's, there's the, when you're doing distance learning, you could either have the camera just over the paper and your hand doing it versus a camera that would, that's back from you a few feet and it's you on the whiteboard so they could see your face. Is that, that's what you're talking about? Right. Yeah. 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 And, and that was, you know, uh, so kind of going on what, um, what one of the, our things we want to talk about today was, uh, what were we looking forward to and what, or what worked and what didn't work? I think what, what didn't work last time doing off riffing off what you said, Chris, was how there was a lot of, of technology we had to learn um, and figure out what works for us and what works for our students. Because anytime, <laughs> I was thinking about this analogy, anytime you, you give teachers, or actually anybody, but teachers um, a new piece of technology, it's kind of like watching a dog eat a grape. 
<laughs> like they're just they're going for it, but they just can't quite get it. <laughs> I did that actually. I, I gave my dog a grape, and I, that made me think. <laughs> This first episode of the Two Math Guys podcast is also brought to you by hand sanitizer. Well, you might have heard a rumor that teachers like getting apples on the first day of school. Due to our current pandemic situation, hand sanitizer might be a better option. Hand sanitizer. This episode is brought to you by Euler. No, not the companies that spill oil all over the place, but the man, the mathematician, who, because of him, we basically have modern society. Euler. Here's, here's a, so getting back to thinking about our work with our, our kiddos, um, if there's a piece of advice you could give yourself, so the pandemic just started, well, let's go back in time to May 13th, uh, like, if there's one piece of advice or, or, or two pieces of advice, you would give Chris Onspach, what would you tell him? Focus on creating a sense of normalcy and being playing more of a supportive role and not like still being, you know, a math teacher, but saying right now the content of the class is not as important as making sure that your students are, they feel not only like physically safe, but emotionally and mentally safe as well. Because if we don't, if those things don't exist, then you can't, there's no point in teaching because there no learning can happen if the kid feels unsafe because they won't be focusing on where it is that we're doing. Um, so that I would make that a bit more of a priority of spending more time reaching out or asking kids to, you know, hey, like, um, you know, keep a journal or just write a little bit about, you know, what do you feel okay with and what do you feel anxious about and what is it that I can do to help alleviate some of those anxieties. Uh, and then once we've kind of basically reconnected as a class and reestablished that culture of safety and comfort and, you know, mutual respect, then we can continue to go forward with learning and looking at new content. Yeah, that's a pretty, that's, that's a pretty good piece of advice. And I, I, I thought of that. I thought something similar. Um, I was thinking, if, if I, you know, if I were to give myself some advice, it'd be, you have to be willing to let certain things go because as a, as a teacher, I'm, I was, we've been trained to work with 30 kids in a classroom live. And so mm -hmm. that means you're going to have to change what you, what you do and how you reach out to those 30 kids. Um, and you have to be able to say, okay, we're in a math class, but, there's probably a lot of stuff you all are going through right now. So we've, we'll have to put some of this, the math to the side for a second, just focus on you for a little bit and, and you and, and make sure that you're connecting with your peers. Cause that's another part of, of our, uh, of school is not just the academics, but the, 
one-on-one interactions with each other. Um, and so you have to be able to, so my advice to myself would be, it's okay to let certain things go. We just, this is a, we're at the middle of a pandemic. <laughs> uh, make sure your kiddos are, are, are mentally and physically okay. Then we can do math. So very similar to what you said, I feel. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I like kind of like what you just mentioned, like, Hey, like this is a pandemic, you know, really fully articulate. Cause when we left, you know, we, our last day of school was, you know, that Friday, March 13th. And then we were going into our spring break. And so I was telling my students and my softball team, I was like, well, I think the most likely thing is that we'll have another, like, we'll probably have two weeks. Of a, we'll have a, a two-week spring break, and then we'll kind of see what happens. And then that turned into, you know, <laughs> and the like, oh, well, if we come back, we'll come back April 6th, like whatever that Monday was. And then it was, oh, well, we're not going to come back at all. But you know, even <laughs> like these teachers, like we didn't know. Yeah, right. We, we had no clue. We had no idea that it was going to turn into an entire semester. So there's no, you know, not trying to fault teachers for trying to really be like, no, 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 you need to learn, blah, 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 blah. Because we didn't understand the severity of what was really happening. And, you know, I also did have the luxury of having seniors in an elective class where they didn't need to really know everything that we were doing to be successful in their next year of math. Mm -hmm. Whereas if I had a group of geometry students, you know, sophomores, who are going to take out of the following year, well, then it's a little bit more important to make sure I get through the majority of the content so they don't go into their next class and they're missing a couple chapters. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, you know, I guess we could make that adjustment as a department and, you know, as a site and kind of collectively say, hey, in geometry, we didn't get through, you know, law of sine, law of cosine and volume. So if that stuff comes up in algebra two, make sure to teach it for the first time. Yeah. Kind of like having a, you know, like a chapter zero or something where you review all the pertinent things from geometry and then, then go on. Uh, chapter, like a, like a, a prelude almost, or a, a preface. <laughs> like a, like a prereq yeah. kind of thing. I mean, I do that for the, the sports class. Cause I mean, I have a, class with people who play sports and watch sports and I have students in that class who are like nope I don't watch sports at all I don't understand how they're played and we can't talk about if athletes are clutch or if they you know choke or if there's home field advantage like those questions don't mean anything if you aren't or you know if you're uninitiated to the world of sports right so, oh, so you're, so in that case, for that class, you're saying chapter zero, like, this is how you, this is the stats in baseball. This is what, this is how you play basketball. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Just, yeah, yeah. Very straightforward. Like, Hey, you know, we watch part of a football game and say, here's offense, here's defense, here's the point of the game. And we don't really go into strategy that much because that's not really important. They just really need to know the nuts and bolts mm-hmm. of each sport. And, uh, you know, the problem is there's, the, the book tries to diversify the sport so it's not just football, baseball, basketball. They'll bring in hockey, volleyball, badminton, bowling, 
polo. Mm-hmm. And it's like great. And that's, I like that they do that, but that just means you know, the kids got to learn how to play 12 sports yeah. instead of just three. What are the rules of, what are the rules of cricket? <laughs> You know, okay, I'm going to do a, some uh, gymnastics here, Chris. I'm going to spin this. Um, so what you just said about Chapter Zero for the kids to learn about basketball and baseball, football, and sports, uh, I feel like there's a lot. I, mean, there's, there's a, I feel like there's a direct comparison with that and the math we teach with our kids because for a number of kids, like we have this funny math notation for, you know, sum. It's this big thing that looks like an E or just the way that we write certain people write fractions, the way we write certain notation, it's, it's foreign to kids. So you have to really take that time to say, and, or, or be explicit and say, this note, this symbol means this in the same way you said, these are right now, these guys are on offense. And so, so there's always, so, I think as teachers, as math teachers, there's always a little bit of that chapter zero idea. Like, all right, we're going to be talking about series. So that means we need to learn this new notation where you have the, the, the capital sigma and then the, the index, um, which isn't, it's not in itself isn't hard, but they just don't know it. So they need a little chapter zero on, on that. And there, like what you're just saying reminds me of I can't remember the name of the the paper, but it's by uh, Dr. Charles Munter out of uh, University of Missouri, and he talks about you know this evolving role of the mathematics teacher, and part of it is to introduce that the math notation when it's necessary. Oh, uh, you sure. know, like don't introduce. You know, if, like, let's say we were going to talk about like, oh, series. And so he, he would argue that you wouldn't introduce like, oh, well, here's some and it means this. Da, da, da. It's like, well, let's talk about the idea first and then we'll start introducing, oh, function notation. This is why we use f of x. This is why we use, you know, sigma. This is why we use, uh, you know, these equations and these formulas as a way of expressing mathematical thought because the kids don't really, when you explain to them, Hey, we use all this notation because it makes things easier. They don't believe you. <laughs> yeah. Like who cares? Right. I got you. Yeah. yeah you yeah, make they, a really good point. Yeah. They, they're like, this is crazy. This is foreign. This is bizarre. Like I, I don't understand the notation how can you expect me to understand the idea behind the notation? And I think we're doing kids a disservice when we teach those two things simultaneously. As opposed to the, the con the, the con the two things being the concept and the notation and kind of keep them separate. So then the notation comes in as it's needed. Is that what you mean? Right. Yeah. 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 Where if kids were, you know, looking at something like, Oh man, I really don't like adding, you know, one, if you were going to, uh, you know, what's the, the classic example with, with Gauss, right? Adding the numbers one to a hundred and kids are like, oh, okay, one plus two plus three. And then you can be like, well, yeah, this is kind of, this is tedious, right? This is mm-hmm. awful. Here's this great thing we can use, you know, called 
you know, summation notation, and you can use it on Desmos, or you can use it on a calculator, yeah. depending on the type of calculator. And once they get the idea of, I know what I'm doing, then they get to fully benefit from using that tool to make that calculation simpler and easier. Yeah, like, like they, they, want, they want a need for it. Like, I think the, actually, now that you mentioned it, the first way I teach it, I, I, when I do series, is like you, you do like, say, five terms that are, you know, you know, um, five terms and then as you get to like 15 or 20 you can put the dot 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 the ellipsis ah you know you, you get the idea we're adding three to each term so we just sum those together dot, dot. then after a while you're like but there'd be an, even a nicer way to do that if only there was some way to show like exactly where we start and end and just one little sum one little notation then you're like hey look at this look at this great thing and then the kids go oh that is nice yeah yeah <laughs> it gives them like more appreciation for oh this is fantastic. You're like, yeah, this is, this is why this exists. That reminds me of the, the Simpsons episode when um, Troy McClure is doing uh, is one of the, some advertisement for a, an orange juicer. And he's like, have you, are you sick and tired of juicing your oranges like this? And he's like taking a, half of an orange and like squeezing it on his forehead and <laughs> squeezing that into the bowl. And then uh, there's Homer at home watching it and at the same time squeezing <laughs> the orange in the same way. He's like, oh, you mean there's a better way? <laughs> uh, so let's, uh, let's see if, we asked what, what piece of advice would we give ourselves? What about for like to, to, to wrap this up, what's, what are you looking forward to this year, this, this semester with distance learning coming up? I'm looking forward to having a completely changed, uh, like, you know, like medium, something that the kids are unfamiliar with. So, but they do know what to expect. So, you know, like you said, we're changing the structure of how we are delivering or how we're interacting with our students. And maybe we get to use that as a platform to change the way our students think about the subject that we're teaching. And you know, it doesn't just have to be related to math. Um, because I had this like epiphany my second year of teaching after I had like, okay, gotten through the first year and I was able to kind of start focusing on my practice and starting to make it better. And I had that kind of like glass shattering moment in my head where I was like, oh, I wonder if my students really want to learn algebra and geometry. Like, are they genuinely interested in learning what we're talking about or they have to take this class, so do they just want a good grade? And then I started having those conversations with my students. And some of them, I think, maybe just to not hurt my feelings. <laughs> I would, you know, lower their grade or something. They were like, oh, no, I would totally learn algebra. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> You're going to need it in life. <laughs> yeah. When it's like, you know, that question of when will I need to use this? Oh, well, next year. It's yeah. like. Great. That, that's a great answer. And I use it every day, kids. I'm a math teacher and I use it all the time. <laughs> <laughs> and then, yeah, I've started kind of like answering that question as, 
Well, you know, you might not use any of this directly, but it will help the way you interpret the world around you and how you analyze certain things. And, you know, not everything you learn has to be something you can apply to your daily life. You know, sometimes you learn things just for the sake of learning. You know, people who read recreationally aren't reading to get a promotion. They're reading because they enjoy reading. So I'm hoping to use this as an opportunity to help push my students more into an appreciative, maybe approach like adoration of math and hopefully get them to where they might enjoy doing it as opposed to just kind of going through the motions to pass or to get a good grade so they get into um, you know a good school. Um, but hopefully show them you know there's actual merit in doing math outside of a classroom. So mm -hmm. we'll see how that goes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll we'll check back in a little bit. See how that goes goes yeah, for us. I'm, I'm kind of optimistic, but you know, on on in a similar vein, I'm um, I'm looking forward to what. Well, in short, I'm looking forward to the innovation that's going to come out of this semester, because there's so many unknowns. Because you talked about the kids are coming into this unknown structure that you get to create. And I feel like there's a lot that teachers and districts and the schools, schools, the education system as a whole is going to get to innovate upon. And anytime there's innovation, there's going to be things that fall flat. But I, I feel like there's a, there's a lot of possibilities that we don't know are there yet that we're going to come across this year. Um, and so that's one thing I'm looking forward to. And whether it's, whether it's us, whether it's like you and me, or maybe it's one of our colleagues, or maybe it's a teacher in, uh, on the other side of the country who comes up with some novel way to approach or, or effect, kind of a, a more effective way to approach distance learning than anyone's thought of yet. Like, that's what I'm looking forward to. Yeah, hopefully there's some, um, and that's what's very exciting about the, the start of the school year is, you know, there's a lot of anxiety on teachers and of, am I going to get buy-in from my students? You know, what if I know how to manage a physical classroom, but how do I manage a digital one? Yeah. So there's a lot of things that we're worried about, but like you were just talking about, there's also a lot of things to look forward to is people will start to share Something I've, I've learned about the, the community of teachers is that they are very collaborative and there's a lot of willingness to share things that are working. And we will be able to find all of these things that say, hey, you know, I've been doing this and it's been working really well. Mm -hmm. And to kind of pick and choose, oh, you know, I like that. I'm going to add that to like my own tapestry of my practice and things that I have you know taken from the credential program or my master's program or literature that I've read or things that I've done or things that I've seen other people do, things that I've learned through workshops and PD and BITSA and all these different things have come together to form this, you know, my own personal practice. And, you know, because I've observed you teaching and there's things that I like that you do that I take and 
um, same with other colleagues at my high school. And that's, you know, to me, that's my, probably my favorite thing about being a teacher is, well, I think that my favorite thing is building relationships with, with students. I, I didn't really expect that to be the number one thing, but that is clearly to me been the best part of teaching. But the second is that it's a, we are constantly evolving and refining and reflecting on what we're doing and we're always trying to get better. And once we dive back into the year and we see what everyone around the world is doing, we get to take those ideas and shape them and make them our own. Um, and hopefully share our own and have people um, take from what we're doing as well. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's one of the points of this podcast is kind of is to share what we're doing and share what we're thinking about when it comes to teaching math. Um, and then ho hopefully people will find some use out of it. And maybe, maybe it'll be like, you know what? It, I, those guys, uh, I'm not going to do that because I don't want to, or <laughs> it didn't, didn't work for them. So I'm not going to do it. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's totally fine. And that's yeah. kind of what we expect is there's, things that'll work for us that won't work for other people or things that don't work for us that do work for other people. And that's, you know, that just depends on your style, your situation, the content, the grade level, mm -hmm. all these different factors that it's still, I find it, you know, people use the word teacher to describe someone teaching kindergarten and someone teaching you know, AP physics or AP calculus. And it's like, those are such different styles that to be classified as the same profession is astonishing to me because you're, you have the same title, but your job is completely different. The duties that you're, that you, that you need to do. Yeah. <laughs> I remember one time when I first started, uh, teaching, I took some PD and, uh, the, it was a mix of grade levels and the, the person leading it said, yeah, in kindergarten, there's, there's things that high schoolers don't have to deal with. Like a lot of kindergartners throw up because they just, they, on the first few days, cause they just cry when they get dropped off. So they cry so much they throw up. And I didn't know that was a thing, <laughs> but, but <laughs> kindergarten teachers, that's part of what they have to do. Oh, get the bucket. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's, it's admirable because I, I, there's, I don't think I could teach kindergarten. I don't think I could do it. Oh, no way. That's God bless them. I mean, those, the, the, the early elementary grades, whew, God bless them. <laughs> yeah. That's a, you, the level of patience and care and dedication that you have to have, not to say that that doesn't exist at the high school. I think it's just, it's a different type of it. Um, and, you know, there could be plenty of elementary school teachers that say the same thing. I mean, that's... Oh, I sure. Absolutely. I, yeah, when I tell people I'm a teacher, they're like, oh, okay, cool. What do you teach? Oh, I teach high school. Ugh. Oh, how do you, yeah. <laughs> like, oh, my God. How do you do it? It's like, oh, well, <laughs> I don't know. You're like, it's fun. I, I love They're great. They're great kids. And the, oh. the kindergarten teachers say the same thing about their kids. And we go, oh, man, God, thank you for doing that. Because I, I could not. <laughs> <laughs> well, Chris, I'm getting some signs that are, we're supposed to end our episode because my computer battery is low. And I'm, 
my computer's in my, we're in my, uh, I'm talking to my shed in the back of my yard and my plugs somewhere in the house I got to find. So uh, I think we'll have to, we'll have to end it here in a moment. All right. All right. Yeah. I'm um, getting a little hungry. So I think I'm going to grab some grub and, cool. and probably start doing some prep work. Yeah. I know it's, it's, we start next week in terms of teachers, kids start later. Oh yeah, you start on the the twelfth. The we, teachers start on the tenth, but students the seventeenth. Okay. Yeah. yeah, we our PD starts on the twelfth, and then we start on the seventeenth. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, well, thanks everybody. If anyone's li- listening to this, thanks for listening to two math guys. Or the we should probably clarify the two math guys. Yeah, we'll do. How about that? The two math guys podcast. Does that sound good? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and on that note, I got uh, here's, here's a, a joke to leave us for this uh, this first episode. What do you call two guys who like math? Nerds. <laughs> <laughs>